0: Hi friends, this video slash podcast is going to be a conversation with YouTube creator and photographer Sean Tucker. And I was very excited going into this conversation. One of the reasons being because I have a ton of respect for Sean and the work that he puts out. It is He, he creates brilliant, thoughtful, well-executed, cinematic, moody videos. And I wanted to have a conversation with him about his creative process in making these videos, as well as his thoughts about art and photography. So here that is. Enjoy. It was, it was a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed listening to what he had to say. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another video slash episode of the James Red Podcast. Today is an exciting day because I am here with a YouTube creator that I'm, I'm very fascinated with. And his name is Sean Tucker, and he is a photographer and YouTube creator. His videos are uh, Sean. I'm going to tell you very quickly before I before I allow you to talk uh, what I love about your videos so much. I Do like. Can to leave?
1: It. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> really awkward. <laughs> uh,
0: your videos are, are very philosophical and, and moody and cinematic. And they're they're very well produced as well. And there's they're unique to a lot of what's going on on YouTube. And I, your videos are also very measured in the way that, that you uh, you share information and the way that they're crafted. And specifically the way that you, you communicate. And you're just as much of, of a communicator as you are a video maker to me. And I, I find that in communication, people like to speak in vast, sloppy generalizations. And you're very specific in your <laughs> language. And you do that very well. So uh, how long... Well yeah first off how long have you been making YouTube videos and hi
1: okay YouTube I mean, until about until about two years ago, YouTube for me was just a place to kind of store videos that I was doing for clients. So, you know, to be to embed something on your website, I started with Vimeo, and then um, they wanted money, so I decided to switch to YouTube and just sort of embed stuff from YouTube. So, YouTube was never kind of a channel for me. I think it's a difference between just sort of loading videos up and having them exist there, and then or being deliberate about filming stuff towards a channel that you're building over time. So, yeah, uh, about. It would have been actually January 2015. Um, I did this series of three videos, which uh, were uh, they were because at the time I was shooting for a company and I was doing uh, product photography for them. I was their in-house product photography head of photography, but it was for very big products in big studios, lots of lights. So we had a big studio up in Peterborough here in the UK and. I'd have to travel up and it'd be, you know, uh, lounge suites and sofas and like big dining sets and everything. So uh, when I started that job, I jumped online to see if there were any training videos out there to show you how to shoot big products. And there were a ton on like tabletop photography, but there was nothing really on how to shoot something massive in a big studio with lots of lights. So, you know, after I kind of got fairly good at the run of the mill, um, photography job the kind of the kind of product side of it i thought well maybe i could just help out by putting out a, a training the training videos i was looking for four or five years before so i filmed them i put them out and they did quite well like people sort of picked them up and and passed them around i think because there wasn't that stuff in that space at the time or very much of it but i didn't care about the videos like they they didn't excite me at all and it was kind of a sort of faltering first step at starting a channel um but yet like i said it, it just didn't really uh, sit with me and then it was in a, um, beginning of May 2016 so over a year later I thought let me have another crack at this but try something totally different so I took a a, a trip to Wales um a place called Snowdonia here in the UK and I I kind of I said let me just fi- I don't even know how I'm going to do it. let me just film I don't want it to be super vloggy you know that kind of very run and gun quick edit style I want it to be a bit slower paced, but I want us to talk about how I'm taking this trip. I'm trying out landscape photography, which isn't my thing. I kind of know how to do it technically, but I'm not very good at it. And uh, just as a way to kind of refresh photography for me, because the day-to-day product photography was getting very samey, you and know, I was starting to fall out of love with photography because it was so run-of-the-mill and I posted that video and that got passed around way more and I cared about it which for me was a sign that this is the direction I should be going um and then kind of from then I i I'm not a, I'm not a you know post three four times a week guy at all like I pretty much post once maybe twice a month and so I take my time to write them and flesh them out but since then it's about you know two years on now almost exactly and uh you know I've been fairly regular with that now and and now it's kind of at a place where I I enjoy it or like it or you know I'm proud of it yeah
0: very good, that's awesome. I, I, I think you should be proud because I, I think what you're doing is uh, unique w- compared to a lot of what's going on. A lot of people are going for a lot of energy in their videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have found myself gravitating to the fringes of the people that are, are uh, a, a bit more moody and and, and focus- well, a bit more moody and dynamic in their content. Mm. And uh, and I'm also an an introvert, which we'll get to All more right. in a second, right. because I I you have a video that is about that, and I was fascinated mm. by it. We'll talk about it. But I want to I want to talk a little bit about just your creative process as mm. you as you go through uh, your daily your daily things, your obligations, and well, not even obligations. Absolutely. As you go through this 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 project that is YouTube. I'm hmm. curious, what led to your your thoughtfully philosophical approach to your channel?
1: I mean, I mean, the reason I I do it the way I do it is is my background. Um, so, I mean, my the, the the first degree I got in university was uh, psychology and sociology. So, I, I got into the kind of psychology of stuff at that stage and really enjoyed it. And then the second degree, I studied and was um theology and i worked in the church for years as a as a pastor or priest and uh i think for me i've always had a real interest in um human beings and um the philosophical even spiritual side of life and since i left the church i think i've, I've had a bit of a hole in me because i I really got a kick out of um Speaking to people and inspiring people and sort of pushing them to to be you know better each day, and and I kind of lost my context to do that. So it was a good. Uh, it was probably about two thousand nine when I left. So we're talking almost you know eight nine years ago now. And for a good four or five years, I, I did nothing. I just kind of detoxed from from uh, that time of my life and sort of did some processing again. And it was only a couple of years ago when I started that channel and I did that video. I thought, wow, there might be a way to bring together, you know, photography, which I've fallen in love with as a, as a pursuit, as a creative outlet, and also bring in this other stuff that I love talking about, which is, you know, trying to work out who we are as human beings and how that ties in with our creativity and how we pay attention to that and bring it all together. And, and this YouTube channel is now the first, the first space I've found to keep, to keep or come back to speak in that way, which is really exciting for me because it's, it, it, that's what gets me up in the morning, and I don't think it's the final form, but for now, it's great to kind of build this and, and sort of experiment with this as a as an outlet. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's why the tone's there. Right? That's why the subject matter's there. Certainly,
0: it's, it's yeah. funny that you say. So I grew up in the church world too, mm. and I I've also felt this. There's a there's a there's a directness to meaning that you feel yeah. when yeah. you're in that world, uh, and. Assuming you believe in the meaning that you're after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. but, and, and when you start to make videos for YouTube and different uh, other crafts and anything you do in life, sometimes it's a little bit harder to attach yourself to the meaning. You have to put in a little bit more uh, foundational groundwork to find mm-hmm. that meaning. I have done this by becoming very obsessed with meaning in my work. Mm-hmm. And so I try I try to make videos. I, I try to always align my directionality with how meaningful is this? Mm. it seems like you do the same. I'm curious how you would describe your relationship with the pursuit of meaning in your in your videos,
1: yeah, I mean i mean for me it it comes down a lot to um gosh, we're getting deep fast man so it comes down That's, a lot I, to like, i have
0: that I have that effect.
1: That's good. Uh, it, comes, it comes down a lot to, to uh, people's pain for me, actually. I, th- I think a lot of people, and especially being on the internet in the way that I am, I'm, I'm faced daily with how, how lonely a lot of people are, how frustrated a lot of people are, how disconnected a lot of people feel. And um, I know that some of my journey has taught me things about those feelings, that if I share them back now, uh, that it, it helps a lot of people. And I'm always really encouraged by, you know, the guys who follow along on my channel and the guys who comment that there's a lot of that kind of safety and numbers feel like, Oh my gosh, me too. That's exactly how I feel. Because to me, it's very, very important that I'm not, um, and, and this is kind of a philosophical choice I made early on that I'm, I'm not talking on that channel. Like I'm a big shot or that I'm an amazing photographer right off the bat, because I don't think that's true. I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm competent, but you know, I know, tons of photographers who are better than me but that's not the reason for doing this it's it's more a peer-to-peer thing i think when i came up as a photographer and and i was getting onto youtube watching tutorials i often found it quite frustrating that photographers on youtube tended to pretend they were a massive deal um and you know talk as if the phone is just ringing off the hook the whole time and people are just asking me to shoot all the time and it's it's crazy and then they disappear after a month because they went bankrupt and you go well what what happened and you obviously talking crap. That there, there was something about what you were saying that wasn't true. And so I, I made a choice to be vulnerable and, and to be honest about when things weren't working and honest about the struggle of creativity and honest about, you know, the the, the kind of battle that it often is as a creative person or, um, you know, trying to marry that up with with the business world in a way that it pays the bills and all, the, all this stuff that we all fight with because i knew that that was helpful i knew that that was something that that everyone struggles with and if they felt i struggle they struggle then they don't feel as crazy and they don't feel like failures they feel like just another person journey with me and that that's really important to me
0: yeah i think that because of that it's funny you're saying that and i'm connecting that to what i know about your videos at this point yeah. point. and there's certainly an authenticity in your in your videos that comes through from uh, the way that you you work and even the way the way that you craft sentences around this sort of peer to peer type of type of mindset, as opposed to coming out, uh, coming to people with, you know, five tips to, to help them, uh, take better photos or, or, you know, being obsessed with, with with gear or Mm -hmm. any number of things that you see. So, so another thing I'm curious about is, uh, let's see what I write down here. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm, I want to talk about a few videos that you have made specifically mm-hmm. and, and kind of dig into them a little bit. And I, I this is the first time I've taken this approach and I think it should be interesting because nope. I was fascinating I was fascinated by watching these videos and and you don't always get to talk to the person specifically about I I think it should be a, a fun exercise. So uh, You're, uh, you have one video called my street photography philosophy, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Now this one's fascinating to me because I too am a street photographer Mm -hmm. and it seems like people, uh, and it seems like you, you were touching on this too in your video that there is, there are, there's a box that we like to put ourselves in and when we consider what street photography is and is not. And I'm curious. Uh, well, for one, how have you sort of how what has the struggle been for you of trying to break that box open and maybe mm. find different ways to look at things? And I, I suppose, what would you say to somebody who feels a little bit more boxed in?
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think um, street photography happened almost accidentally for me a little bit because um, I was, you know, shooting products at work and i was shooting portraits and headshots for my own business on the side Uh, but i i wasn't uh i wasn't feeling refreshed by that and both of those things were starting to feel quite formulaic uh which is some of my own fault definitely um so i just made a i made myself an exercise where just on the iphone at the time i just said i'm going to take at least one photo a day and post it and and just to keep things going force myself to go out and get a photo And uh, so just on my phone running around, and obviously a phone is quite a wide angle. And uh, so I didn't find myself, I'm I'm not the kind of person who wants to run right into someone's face and shoot a person. That's not my personality. I I don't really like doing that. It it probably sparks some confrontation, which I prefer not to get into. So I ended up shooting, um, in some cases, I shot cities more like landscapes where i was shooting spaces more and shooting light in spaces more and if there were people sort of coming through that space it was only to give a sense of context to that space um, and that was because of you know a choice to avoid conflict so it's not the best reason to choose it wasn't like i've choose this as my style you know it's just like i'm a chicken so let me do it this way you know <laughs> And then I, I I start you just start to see it a particular way. So then I got I picked up a, a Fuji X100, which is like a fixed uh, 23 mil. So on that crop, it's a 35 mil equivalent, which is also a reasonably wide angle, wider angle anyway. Uh, and yeah, again, it sort of facilitated that slightly wider look, that slightly uh, sort of stood back, shooting spaces more. And it's just slowly developed into a style. That for ages I didn't want to call street photography because it didn't feel like uh, you know Joel Meyerowitz. It didn't feel like like Bruce Geldon getting in people's faces. Did, did you it feel didn't like feel you like
0: had I... to get closer? Did you feel like you were contaminated by yeah. this this uh, this this obsession in the street photography realm to be closer to people and be engaging with yeah. people and to not f- to to push through your social uh, screwiness in your head, so to speak.
1: Yeah, because I think there's a stereotype, isn't there, that, that street photography is one thing. It is getting in people's faces, you know. It is shooting people up close while they're moving around. Um, you know, it's it's Robert Capa. If you you know, if it's not good enough because you're not close enough, kind yeah. of thing. And it's yeah. it's not. I, I think that's the stereotype people have in their head, and I, I, and I had it too because I was putting that label on myself, and I would never have said I do street photography. Um, until for me, and I think I say it in the video you're mentioning, I found someone said on one of my uh, photos, your work reminds me of Fan Ho's work. Mm. And and I I think I've seen a video where you talk about him as well. So you'll be familiar with his stuff that he shot quite wide as well. And he shot context and spaces and light in spaces. And that almost just gave me permission to go, oh OK, well, if he's doing it and calling it street photography and he's amazing then I can do the same thing. And it just, I mean, you know, second half of your question is, is, you know, what would I say to people who who are stuck in some kind of stereotype is, is there's always somebody out there who's doing it differently. Mm -hmm. And even if there's not, you do it differently and call it whatever the hell you want to call it, because that's how that's how things progress. I think the photography community can sometimes be very bullying. Um, And it's not it's not the interesting thing is it's not the guys at the top. It's not it's not the big names who are the bullies. It's uh, what a friend of mine calls like middle management photographers mm. who are like photographers who are, they're doing it as a business. They're getting some limited success, but they're quite frustrated. They're not the top guys. And they're looking down at everyone else, feeling a little bit insecure. If anyone else gets some success and they're bullying them. So those are the guys who you'll find will jump on your YouTube videos, your Instagram account go, well, this isn't street photography. Ignore them. Those people are also frustrated and it's not, and it's not working for them. And that's why they're bullying you. So just ignore it. Let it, let it fall off your back call your photography whatever you want it doesn't matter there's there's not these rigid rules that the middle management are trying to impose on you do what you love to do call it whatever the hell you like and let the images that you take be undeniable like when you look at the image it speaks for itself that that's the stage you want to get to and and whatever label you give it really doesn't matter that much
0: yeah i think it's almost like we want to cut shortcuts in our head by putting things in boxes and it's funny how our brain Mm. works to uh, to To constrain things and and when you really think about it, and one of the things that you did in this vi- one of the major points of the video of mm. your video that that I think was important is that the entire mantra of the video was sort of asking you to explore your own thought process about street photography mm. and I think this is incredibly uh, important i f- I found myself in a place recently where, so for for a long time I was taking street portraits. So I'd walk mm-hmm. up to people, ask mm-hmm. if I could take their photo, that sort of thing. And so yeah, every day I went out there to take street portraits of people. There would be this, uh, there would be this, this intense tension in me to mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. talk to these people. <laughs> and it, it, yeah. it, was, it was an ongoing thing. It certainly got better, and I loved the challenge, and that was part of why I did it. However, I, I started to try to take photos from further back. And take more of an anonymous approach, Mm. and what's interesting is that by doing that, I became happier. I Mm -hmm. I felt like I had much. I felt much more free in in my compositions and in my movement, Mm. and I I found that my photos actually got better, (laughs) and I started spending more time focusing on composition. And so now, one of, one of the things I'm on now is is I'm, I'm using a lot of subframing in my work. Uh, I'll start, I'll start, uh, you know, I'll start, uh, pl- taking street signs and kind of hiding behind them a little bit. Cool. Maybe there's a tree, somebody's walking by, and yeah, and uh, and I'll I'll actually take a longer lens. I'll go out with a 70 to 300 because uh-huh. I just love the look of it. It's very cinematic, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and my photos have legitimately gotten better. So, one of the things I was speaking about recently was. and I I still haven't quite figured this out in my head yet. Uh, maybe what's the difference between when you, when you need to face your challenges
1: Mm.
0: that are in front of you and you know, you need to face them. And that, that even though it's scary that you know that the way is through that challenge. Mm. And when is the way another route that maybe uh, when, when, when is the way a route that makes you feel more, uh, free i suppose yeah and and so it's like for me i always want when i see a challenge come at me i don't want to move away from the challenge because i think that that's a quick way to never challenge yourself yeah so i don't know i don't know uh i i I know what what it's been for me but i don't know how to put into words when one should focus one way or another
1: what what you're asking is like when 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 are you just when are you taking a legitimate root with your art and when are you just chickening out from a challenge
0: sure yes yes when are you letting social anxiety hold you back
1: yeah I mean that's a that's a really hard one I think I think you have to be very honest with yourself on that I mean to be honest I because I'm a portrait photographer I do want to get into taking street portraits at some stage Um, I'm gonna have to work myself up to do it so so the idea that I I won't ever take photos of people on the street I know would be me chickening out because Mm -hmm. I know what I want to do and and I suppose it's just uh, being honest with yourself about what is the legitimate direction you want to take with what you do. Um, And, and am I shying away from something I prefer to be doing because it looks difficult and taking an easy option? That's a real internal, it's a real internal thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, like like I say, I do know where I'm chickening out and I know I need to push myself at some stage. Um, But that said, you know, like, like I say, I am really enjoying the style of street photography I'm doing. And I feel like I'm stepping into something which I love. And I won't give that up, because I love it now. You know, it's, it's, it's the way I want to keep doing things. And if I did take street portraits with people, it would be something else that exists on top of that, that wouldn't stop. Um, So yeah, it's it's a hard one. I don't know. Mm. And there's
0: also value to having photography be a therapeutic experience for you, I think. Mm. Uh, that's that's a, that's a that's something that's something that's been important for me to understand i mm. I, uh, I think i need that i need i need to not always be focusing on challenging myself socially it's interesting i'm an introvert but i'm the kind of introvert that that really enjoys a uh a, a social and communicate uh communication oriented challenge yeah. right i like that adrenaline rush yeah but uh but yes i think I think that that's where it gets into the stuff that's actually pretty difficult for some artists to, yeah. to figure out
1: sure
0: so so let's move on. I want to move on to the next video that you were talking about yep I feel like I feel like we could talk about street photography for for years <laughs> uh, so I almost yeah. don't want to give it up yet, but mm-hmm. uh, okay, we'll move on so there's another one that you. I created called shooting fifty millimeter uh, on the island of Gozo. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, well, first of all, your photos at <laughs> the end of the video were seriously excellent. Well done. Uh, thank you. Man. But one of the things I love about your videos is that you, in a very tasteful way, and the reason mm. I say that is because there can be a very untasteful version of this, very tasteful <laughs> way, you put a quote at the beginning of the video, mm. along with this, you know, very, uh, very cinematic, moody music. And the quote that you put at the beginning of this one, which I thought was really uh, incredible, was, I think the 50 millimeter lens is an extremely good discipline lens. It requires you to see in a more refined way. Mm. And so it's fascinating to me, uh, this idea of looking at a lens as a tool for growth and creative diversification and not just a tool that creates a specific look. I was Mm. curious what your thoughts were on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, specifically on the one side, I think, and I, and I said in that video that um, limiting yourself to one focal length, you know, snapping a prime onto your camera and just, I mean, I, I was there for five days and I just said, I'm only allowed one prime. That's it for that time. And I, I wanted more primes at different points. I wanted, I wanted a zoom. I wanted another, other options, but it forced me to, to think in a particular focal length. It forced me to move when I wanted to change composition. I couldn't just zoom in and out. Uh, And it forced me to kind of, uh, because I was constrained, I had to get more creative at times. So that as an exercise, I think one is, is, um, is, is is a really good thing, especially for starter photographers to do it makes you quite, it makes you quite disciplined. Um, And I mean, 50 mil for me. Was definitely always my uh, favorite focal length. Um, to to just if if I could only have one, it would be fifty. It probably would still be fifty, although thirty five is fighting with it a little bit recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I mean, the other side of it is, I think I think every lens has a has a has a quality and a feel to it. You know, well, I've and always I mean,
0: explained I, it as every lens has a different character and personality. Yeah.
1: Definitely. And, and that's I think that's super true. And and when you look at, you know, your favorite Instagrammers online or whatever, I think I think sometimes what you're seeing is, is consistency in subjects and colors and the rest of it. But the other thing you're probably seeing is a consistency in focal length. Mm. And that's giving their work uh, a mood in terms of how much they're separating subjects from backgrounds or how much they're taking in with that view or, and how they are in the space because of the constraints of whatever focal length they like to use. And so I think choosing focal lengths for stuff like that. I mean, I, I used to use, um, I used to have a ton of lenses to be honest, uh, a load. And recently I've just sold uh, most of them and I'm trying to pair my gear down. So on my Canon gear and my Fuji gear, I have now, I've, I've got one zoom lens, which is a 24-105 to 105 on my 5D, which is a full frame. So that's my just go-to for product shoots because I know I need that zoom and I need that sharp lens and just to have a kind of run and gun like that. So that's, that, that I kind of think of as separate. But for my 5Ds now, it's uh, a 35-50 and an 85 Prime Sigma. And then for my Fuji, it's a 23, 35, and 50 prime, which is basically a 35, 50, 85 with a crop. So I've just stuck to those kind of trini- holy trinity primes, you know, 35, 50, 85, because I know that I want to go to my 85s for, for my portraits. I want to go to my 50s for running around in environmental portraits, and I want to go to my 35s for street. Um, and I got rid of my 24 primes and other stuff because I realized I just wasn't using them, you know? And just, it's cleaned up my whole kind of, way of shooting and it's cleaned up my gear i don't have to carry as much and i'm very very happy that those are kind of what i use and i know where they work as 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 focal lengths and i know when to pull them out now and 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 that's taken some time for me because i think it's different for everybody i mean some guys will like if you're a landscape photographer it's not your kit you know
0: mm.
1: but i mean maybe it is your kit. who knows but, but but learning what lenses really really sing where you get um where you get the shots that kind of speak to people is, is a really good exercise i actually did a because i had a blog a few years ago and i did a i did an exercise where i i walked the same five miles every day back from work for a week and i each day I, I wrote i walked the same route but with a different focal length so the first day i walked it with a 24 mil and posted the photos and wrote about the experience the next day i did 35 and then 50 and then 85 and then 100 macro um, and uh, a friend of mine, who's a great photographer, he kind of got a hold of me after the series and said, uh, "Well, the fifty mil is miles better than anything else." And I, I couldn't see that yet. And he was sort of feeding back to me and and looking at them. It was then obvious, like, "Wow, I live in that fifty mil space when I'm walking around. That's what really sings with me. Something about the character of that focal length really works." So yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a great exercise. You know, play around with the primes, play around with your zoom but stick it on a focal length and don't keep zooming in and out move with your feet and work with that focal length and see what it does um so it's a it's a good thing to learn or kind of learn about yourself as well and how you shoot
0: yeah yeah well uh, well, i will say that your your lack of obsession with gear is a breath of fresh air to me (laughs) i I am curious (laughs) yeah uh, i am curious uh, when you see a lot of the uh photography related channels yeah out there there Uh is a tremendous obsession with gear yeah and and i'm curious what you think about that and what do do you think maybe are some some strengths and downfalls of that Mm.
1: i mean this is gonna be really hard without sounding like i'm crapping on people and, and i'm really not so let me say that up front like i don't think i'm better than anybody i'm not better than anybody um like what i'm doing is a choice that's that's it and i i totally understand uh a photography channel spending their time talking about gear because the fact is that that is how you get an audience Mm. on on, online if you want views on your videos don't talk about the process or the artistic process talk about gear because that's what i mean youtube is no i mean it is the second biggest search engine on the internet so you've got google then you've got youtube then you've got bing and yahoo and all the rest as a search engine it's the second biggest i mean i've I've, uh, you know, on my car, the, the, the indicator light went out and, and instead of like going to a mechanical, so I went onto YouTube. And so if there was a video teaching me how to change it and it, well, there was, I had the phone propped up on my thing. I went and bought the bulb. I did it myself. I searched for a question on YouTube to be answered. So when people are looking for cameras, they're searching by question what camera should I get? And, and startup photographers are obsessed with gear and that's fine. Like i I don't look down on anyone for that. I was like, there's there's some level
0: of that. That's actually important.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. You want the right tool for the job. Of course you do. And, and, but I think what happens is, and I know this happened for me, so I'm not, I'm not belittling anyone else. I definitely did this is I looked at great photographers and what they were doing was so far above what I was doing that I thought, that seems like a very, if I'm honest, what I was doing is going, that seems like an incredibly long road. Maybe if I just save up money and get the same camera as them, that road becomes a lot shorter, which is, of course, when you do it and you drop cash on an amazing camera, you realize, oh, that's not true at all. I'm taking the same very average photos, maybe with a super shallow depth of field. So my friends are fooled that it's good photography because their cameras can't do that. But I know actually it's not that much better in terms of the content of it. So I think, Knowing that that's what most people are searching for. If you want to build a YouTube channel that's going to grow fast, the, the obvious trick then is to is to make videos for the questions people are asking. And most of those questions are around gear. So photography channels are 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 feeding their algorithm so that they can build. And I, that's a legitimate choice. They're doing it as a business. They want it to work. That's why they're doing it. And lots of people are watching. And they're happy to watch. And they're getting good info. So that's a totally legit way to go. Um, I, I, for me, that doesn't that's not important to me. Uh, for me personally, I think, and it's not that these channels are doing this. I'm, I'm tr- trying to be quite careful about it. It's not that they're saying like gear will make your photography amazing. They're just giving the specs and talking about it and showing images with it. That's absolutely fine. But I think the, 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 the lie that can come through for new photographers is that if I get this gear, I'll be great straight away. And they drop lots of money and take out loans and dangerous stuff like that. So, mm. um, I want to do the opposite. I want to say that, um, it doesn't matter what camera you have. I've taken shots I'm very proud of on my phone. Um, and whatever camera you have now is definitely good enough for you to learn on. And when you look at some of the great photographers through the ages and the, the cameras they use are way worse than, than our phones even, some of them. And they were taking amazing stuff. Like don't let the gear be the excuse. Uh, get something that is, is the right tool for the job, sure, because some lenses work for something, some cameras work for something. Get the right tool for the job, the one that you can afford, then stop making excuses and shoot a ton of stuff and rather spend your money on um, going interesting places or having interesting experiences that you can get in front of your lens because having an interesting subject in front of your your average lens will make you a better photographer instantly instead of having an incredible lens and the same boring subjects because you can't afford to do anything that it will stay pretty much the same you know so i i kind of speak quite a lot about that because i believe that's true so the the choice is a deliberate one for me because I don't want people to think that, um, you know, that's, that's what photography is about. It is just a tool, you know, the camera. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And, and I think that the, the good thing about these the, focusing on gear to some extent is that it is a gateway drug for mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. who are just starting out. They're going to be naturally obsessed with gear yeah. So if you want to get them onto onto the good stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> move them away yeah. from from the uh the artistic <laughs> I the artistic, you know, weed into the artistic cocaine, which is the good yeah. stuff. No. That's <laughs> That's a, that's a good way to do it. And, and yeah. gear uh, reviews have always been the ones to bring in the most views and they're the, easy, they're the most easily searchable. And yeah. so if you find a yeah. channel that can marry that really well, you have something really valuable in your hands. Mm. The downfall is that we have, we have a lot of artists, not just photographers, artists who spend all of their time thinking about the technicality of art. Mm. And not the emotionality and the meaning of art i 'm mm-hmm. curious how do you think we get people more attached to meaning in their work
1: yeah i mean I, I, i've 've got an interesting story with that one because i i did a I did a trip last year in March to because i I can feel in my own work even the portrait work i do i 'm not happy with it yet um and that 's the kind of first love for me in photography is the portraits. Um, but
0: if I may ask, what is it about it that doesn't fulfill you?
1: Doesn't fulfill me in terms of the portraits I've taken. Correct. Correct. Um, I, I've taken pretty photos of pretty people Mm. and I don't care about them. You know, I mean, it's not that, you know, they're not lovely people. I know some of them personally, they needed the photograph. I got commissioned to do it. I'm happy, happy to do it as a job, but I don't care about the photograph as a photograph. So, I mean, because that's true and I wanted to sort of put more meaning into what I was doing, I, I went I took a trip last year to Namibia in South West Africa and I went and shot uh portraits with the Himba tribe, who are these amazing people in South West Africa. They kind of uh paint their 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 bodies with this kind of red ochre mud. So they've got an amazing look and they've got these like uh red clay uh dreadlocks in fact you might be if i if i turn this you can see a couple of them on the wall okay yeah sure sure but um yeah i mean
0: from what i've seen they're absolutely lovely well executed photos
1: okay so that's the point is is i took these to go and get them printed and i took them to a a place which is quite a famous print house here in london called genesis imaging and the guy there who's the creative director there he has printed a lot of the magnum photographer's stuff so he really knows what he's talking about. And he's printing them and he's looking over them. We're having a good chat. And he says to me, these are, these are, these are pretty photos of interesting people, but I don't care about these. And I, I had a moment where I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I've, I've messed up. You know, he's like, no, they're, you know, they're technically good, but I just don't care. And he, he wasn't being unkind. He was being honest. It was really good feedback because even though I'd gone and put more interesting subjects in front of the camera, I, I was still playing the old game of, mm. of trying to, to prettify stuff. And that was a step in the right direction, but it still wasn't there. And it was a good learning curve. And then I did a project in December last year where I went back to South Africa and I shot with three of my mentors, uh, three kind of older men who uh, were really kind of influential with me um, when I was coming through the church especially. And I did, a, I did a video about it and I did a portrait with each of them uh, and sort of in a kind of very kind of Moody Rembrandt style. And when I got those back, I was like, "That's now getting there, because I care about these people. I'm telling the story about who they are. I'm saying something bigger about the fact that I grew up without a dad, and I needed these men to help me become a man at some stage, and I don't feel we do that enough as a society. We kind of don't take mentoring each other as 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 seriously, and we're not as deliberate about it as we should be. um so those to me felt like another step in the right direction, and I think to answer your bigger question i think i think finding meaning in your work is 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 an evolution i think uh, pe- and people follow quite a similar path i think and i'm only kind of stumbling through it myself so this is kind of me working it out as well but i think you know we start out we get very excited we 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 buy a bunch of gear we take photos that we think are good um because you know we we've, we've got gear and we can shallow the depth of field and stuff and we we learn a bit of lighting maybe we we kind of we're getting very excited about it but then but then at some point the penny drops there are tons of good photographers out there in, in terms of technical good photographers. Mm-hmm. And we realize that actually we're all just kind of taking technically good photographs. Go on 500px. Yeah. There, there are tons of good photographers out there. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't what, what they're saying, what I'm saying doesn't matter really. So the next step, when you get stuck with that, when you get bored of doing that, you go, right, now it's time to work out what do I put in front of my lens? What stories do I tell? What do I want to say? What do I believe about life, the universe and everything? What do I want to communicate? And that's where for me things start to get exciting because, you know, I've spent time learning all the technical stuff. I, I don't know everything, but I know a lot now. You know, I've, I've got a, a wealth of knowledge. I can walk into most situations and shoot without thinking very hard, but that's not the point. That's that's the tools. But I've been spending so long on the tools that I haven't worked out what I should use the tools for. And that's the next stage is kind of stumbling through what I want to say, you know, and it's embarrassing. You know, I, I'm, I'm, Ten, fifteen years down the track with it, and i 'm only starting to take that very, very seriously, but at least i 'm taking it seriously now and i'm I'm in the early stages of going right what 's that next stage what 's the next step and and I think when you get there it, it you care about it more as well you yeah. know because it, it it starts and you have to know yourself I think that's important as well is is you have to kind of because it will come out of who you are you know so if if you're not um, if you 're not reading if you 're not um, you know, interacting with the world and working out what you believe about stuff. What's your politics? What do you believe about human beings? What do you what do you think about the world and, and the way that it is and, and, and things beyond that? When you start to work all those things out for yourself, whatever's in that, that's what the message will come out of that you want to give with your camera. So I think doing all that kind of self-work is super important as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, I think that photography, it was so wonderful about photography as a, as an art form. And – any art, for sure, uh, and I think each art form has its own unique expression of this. Is that your viewpoints and how much you have thought about life is you're able to express that through whatever you're sharing with the world through yeah. your work. I think that what happens is we find ourselves in a place where we we are content enough and comfortable enough with the pretty photos. Uh-huh. And we it's there's something that has to happen in your brain. there's something uh-huh. that has to switch that says, okay, I don't have that much time on this earth. What am I trying to do uh-huh. with my art? yeah, and yeah. for some people they don't they don't like to they don't like to think uh that existentially. That yes. is the definition <laughs> of my yeah. brain. I yeah. spend all my time thinking existentially so uh so it's easy for me, but you know i I suppose. I suppose one of my missions is trying to figure out how to help people who who do think as existentially and maybe are confused about what they're up to yeah and people who don't uh how how they can find their own meaning and 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 do something that they feel like is connected to who they are and and use photography as a means to share the things that they have learned about life with Mm. the world one thing that that has been incredibly important to me. And I too try to speak as from a peer to peer. I I think it's actually really brilliant the way you put that for a peer to peer Mm. perspective. Mm. And uh, you hear me say a lot of times, this is heavily experimental. I don't know what I'm Mm. doing, but I'm trying to pull it off. And I'll, uh, I'll uh, one of the things that's been incredibly important to me is to have an ecosystem. I call it to plan. So a note, Mm. a notepad, an app, somewhere mm-hmm. where you love to spend your time and that you actually schedule time to sit down and write out plans and ask yourself, literally write out, what what meaning do I want my photography to possess? Mm. And then start answer, writing and answering that question, exploring your brain and digging up what's deep down in your mind. Mm. Uh, and you'll start to get closer and closer to what you're after and you'll start to connect yourself with that meaning more. I think that Whenever we find ourselves as artists in a place where we feel sort of bored and and unengaged, I think it probably tends to have a lot more to do with a lack of meaning in our work than a lack of uh, compositional thoughtfulness or alignment with the the type of looking photos that we're after, so to speak. Does that make sense?
1: Totally, and I think you're absolutely right, saying as well that it, it is a subjective thing, and, and that's not for everybody. Like some people, just they want to take good photographs. They they want to they want to shoot models all day, and that's mm. totally legit. Like, ignore me if that doesn't if that doesn't resonate with you. That's absolutely fine. You know, it's it's totally a good choice if you just want to go and take photos. But for me, I've always got in the back of my mind that it, it would be great to leave something behind that people care about mm. um, when I go, and I know that um, that won't be photos of models, just like, like showing off dresses and stuff. That's not the stuff that people care about after you're gone. It's the stuff that tells a story. So that's a very subjective thing. But for me, that's, that's important. I I want to have said something with my life and and with my photography and everything else. So, so that's why it's a choice for me. And I, I, and I totally understand how that will just sound like super hippie and whatever to, to a lot of people. And that's, that's fine. I mean, that's why, I think my channel can be a bit polarizing for some, and it, it, some gravitate and some go, Oh gosh, what on earth is this? Because I think it, it is for people who want to think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really for someone who just wants to, to buy fancy gear and learn the techniques and hammer out pretty girls all day in, in, in images. It's not really for that, you know? It's a yeah, different yeah. philosophy.
0: Well, it's like, uh, it's like, I think your channel is a lot like reading in a sense, because it's something that you have, you have to put effort into and build some momentum to. And the way that your videos are structured is they sort of force you to sit down and and watch them. And this is a good thing. This is a really good thing, I think. Uh, And and if you're, if you're intentional, it's, it's almost like you're not, you're not after making it as digestible as possible, which is the game uh, plan on YouTube yeah, <laughs> for, most, yeah, yeah. for most people.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you are after you're after making it be a journey that people can go on. Mm. And man, that's, it's hard to get, it's hard to get a lot of people interested in that world. <laughs> but what, I think what happens is there's this sort of like, Pareto distribution type of situation where you have most of the artists in the world trying to create digestible content. Mm. This is an interesting dynamic to me. Yeah. Because you it's like to us, we look at we 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 look at the most meaningful content as the most valuable and interesting to us because yeah, we're yeah. we're thinker types. Mm. But it's funny how it's funny how your your portraits, for example, and all of this stuff, which is I would argue has a lot of drive well, a lot of drive in the interest of people who are who want digestible content. Mm-hmm, Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with this, by the way. Yeah. Um it's just, you know, it has to be balanced. But yeah. and also I think that of of course the the uh, the drive of of financial focus in our yeah, yeah. in our society and believe me, I'm I'm heavily capitalistic. I'm not interested. But, but I, I love. I you know. I I think well, we that there's a lot be. of value to it. But yeah. uh, but what does happen is your photos, your portraits, because they are so financially uh, valuable, mm. they are the ones that people see the most of.
1: Of course, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But this this leaves a hole in society. I I I think, and that's where you have to have these videos. That are, yeah. that are more deep and, and undigestible, things that, that make people think and challenge themselves. And so, you're, so your video, uh, did you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, mean, I, was, I think I just say, I mean, I do a bit of speaking about YouTube here and again, and, uh, and I say to people, you, you have to, because I've done it wrong. You know, I've, I've, I've done it absolutely wrong. I, I've only, I don't post more than once a month-ish, which everyone tells you you can't do that. You have to be way more regular than that to build a following. Uh, you know, some of my videos are 25 minutes, half an hour long. That's that's a no-no on YouTube. You know what I mean? So, um, but I'm making videos that I would want to watch, you know, because I'm assuming that I'm not unique and that there are other people who want that kind of stuff as well. And it's built a following, you know, I mean, nuts, but it has built a following. And that that for me is is affirmation that maybe the people who tell you how to do YouTube to make it as digestible as possible aren't right mm. and that um I mean, I'm not going to be Peter McKinnon ever. yeah, you know he is incredibly accessible and he and he's very good at what he does. but I don't want to be Peter McKinnon. No offense to Peter mcKinnon. I, I want to do what I'm doing because I believe in the way I'm doing it. and I know that I, that I that I could make it more like something else to make more money or to get more followers but i'd hate it i'd want i'd want to can it after a while and i wouldn't care about it um so yeah it's it's really the only way to do it in the long term if you want to keep caring about it and not fall out of love with it well the the
0: good thing about the the bad thing is that it's harder to grab uh, a lot of people's attention the good thing is that when people when you do grab people you grab people in a in a special way that sounds odd you grab people in a no, special no. way uh, <laughs> compared to the way that mini videos because when i come across your channel i i go oh this is something this is interesting come i want to spend man. a little bit of time here yeah. so with, with so with these videos as you as you're going about creating them What is your what's your process? And how do you how do you take it from the embryonic stages to a video that that is 25 minutes long that you share? And then I I would assume that at the end of that, you watch it back and go, I am very proud of what I've created. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, there's that dynamic, too. You're right.
1: I mean, I, I, so for me, I've got, like, a, I've got a journal, which I've just got in a bag with me every day. So there's, like, a list in there, and I've got a Google doc, uh, Docs as well. We have a list of video ideas that I've got. Um, and I think, like, if, uh, if I feel – I'll just scan through that list sometimes and see, okay, is this one ready to go? Have I thought about this enough? Mm. And if one's like, yeah, I've got enough to say on that, then I'll start to flesh it out. And it takes me way longer to write a video than it does to film it. Mm. It's uh, It's a good – and I don't write it so that I, I use the words in, in filming it. Like I still want it to feel conversational, but I have to write it all out just for the sake of fleshing everything out properly and making sure that what I'm saying isn't just a rehash of what's already out there, but is, is something I feel like is worthwhile for people to take the time and listen to. So um, and it's yeah, it'll be good, as well. Yeah. And it's structured. I mean, I, I, funny enough, I actually approach writing a video the same way I approach writing a sermon you know, I, I can see the moves and the parts and I can see where I'm illustrating stuff and where I need to sort of, you know, so that kind of style of communication has definitely come through. And yeah, so it'll be, you know, a few, a few hours in a coffee shop over a, over a week where I'm just sort of plugging, plugging away at this thing, kind of refining it down. I'll usually just write a ton, like I'll write too much. And then the hard work is kind of paring it back down and refining it to work out, do the moves make sense? And are, I'm an, I'm not waffling too much on any of them and they flow one into the other. So I'm quite kind of, I enjoy that kind of being deliberate about good communication, um, and then once I've got that, I'm kind of working out how do I want to film this where, uh, you know, and then I'll go out and I'll film pieces talking to camera, and it'll usually be. I mean, the way I've usually got it is I've, I've, uh, I've got the uh, sections printed out in in my camera bag, and I'll take a section and I'll just read through it a couple of times, and I'll stick it in my camera bag, and I won't look at it again, mm-hmm. and and I I just kind of trust that. The stuff that was in the meat of it will come out and and that if there were good phrases in there that they'll surface as well. And if they don't, they don't. But it has to feel like I'm just saying it. I don't want it to feel like I'm reading something or trying to remember exact words. Um, But that process works for me as a good balance between I'm prepared in what I'm saying, but it also feels more off the cuff. Um, And then, yeah, it'll be five, five to eight minutes ish. Where i'm sitting somewhere and filming and I'll, i might film two or three takes or something and then i'll, I'll move on and i'll take the best of those takes mm-hmm. and then it'll be a case of cutting together uh the takes into that into into the sequence so that i can i i can uh listen to the whole thing through just in audio and it flows nicely uh then it'll be um uh finding a music track which takes forever it's the hard. It's the hardest part of video editing no one talks about is finding the correct track to soundtrack your piece is so vital. So I use like, um, I use Artlist and Epidemic Sound as like two subscription-based things where you can, you've got nice libraries of music you can go through because the the music really sets the tone. It's the first thing that people hear with the first B-roll shot Uh, and it sets the tone for everything. So choosing the correct music is vital for me. And then I'll, build the track on and then I'll build B-roll in. I I start a lot of videos with a couple of quotes that I've selected to match the theme. And then I start talking, talking through and then, you know, pull it out. And then it's a case of, it's a case of usually kind of forcing myself just to post it. I often don't want to post it. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I don't, I don't like what I've done. I rarely like something to the point. It's, it's always a disappointment. Let me put it that way. So I, before, I, when I'm writing it, I've got an idea of what it'll be in my head, and it's never that, and it always frustrates me. Mm. But I've kind of learned that um, if I watch something back six months later, I'm like, no, that's better than I thought it was. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, only yeah. In the, it's only in the moment I'm being very heavy on myself. So just post it and then leave it. Let it do its thing. You know? Well, So that's... there
0: to me, there are three different versions of how one can perceive a video. There is mm. the third party version, which is how I see your video. There's mm. the first party version, the day of, which is how you yeah. see your video just after you posted it and you probably hate it a little bit. And then yeah. there is the the first party version a year later. Which yes. is which is like you go back and you go that I did a really good job. That's like I'm, <laughs> you know I'm actually really proud of that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny how that works. I'll go back and watch my old videos sometimes. Now there there are certain ones where it's the complete opposite. I'm like I don't ever <laughs> want to share this with anybody. But there yeah. are certain ones where you're really you're really proud of it and you feel like you said something meaningful and you sort of have this effect of like, this is the video, this is the perfect video for me. And that's because mm. it was you that created it a year ago, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like your own sense of humor is your favorite kind. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so one of, one of the things I do love about your videos, and it's funny that you, as you're going through your process, I see how you craft this and it, uh, how that dynamic comes out is your communication you're talking is actually very open-ended and uh, really? what we see on youtube a lot is this uh, sort of say three words cut say three words cut and I
1: crack, smash it it's yeah yeah and,
0: and so you have you have what you have is a lot of people and millennials who don't know how to talk for more than for more than five seconds straight yeah, yeah. because they, they they're trying to get that very specific thought exactly right and yeah. this has been an issue for me and and i found i've I've sort of reverted back to the importance of being able to speak at length about something. And this is something uh-huh. that this is an art art on its own that fascinates me. And one of the things I love about your videos, like the beginning of that, the, the uh, street photography philosophy video,
1: uh-huh.
0: you, I believe you spoke for probably four minutes straight
1: mm-hmm.
0: uncut about yeah. something. And it was very clean and well articulated. And there's something very special about that. Cool. But uh, another thing touching on what you were saying a second ago was, you're talking about how you write and you try you write too much and then you yeah. sort of have to pull it back. There's yeah. a um I was speaking with my friend Austin the other day who's a jazz pianist and we geek out about musical stuff.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And uh there's a there's a guy named uh, Jacob Collier who's a jazz musician. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing, right? Yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I watched I've watched his he has these long 2-hour uh sessions of him creating a song from a single yeah. clip that one of his f- fans sent into him
1: Yeah, the i harm you series, I know it. Yeah. Right,
0: right, right. And he they'll send it in and he will proceed to make a 250 track yeah. musical selection of awesomeness. Yeah. Most of those tracks are his voice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said was that he he will get all of the ideas out of his head. And then the way he says it is you, and then you have the courage and conviction to get rid of what doesn't work.
1: That's it. As
0: as opposed to trying to very meticulously get just the right things in the place that they need to be right at the beginning, you, you have all these things floating around in your head that are, they're very vague. And the only Mm -hmm. way that you're going to make them come together into a creative uh, singularity is if you Mm -hmm. get them out of you. And so I call this the creative vomit method, (laughs) and I think that I think it's incredibly important. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I just wanted to uh, I wanted to touch on your video. I'm excited about this one because I I and being introverted is something I'm very proud of, but Uh uh, but it's something that that I whenever I come across other people who talk about introversion, yeah, it is it's something that's that is so core to me that i love yeah. I, I love to listen to what they have to say about it and so you made a video called making it as an introvert which mm-hmm. i thought was absolutely uh was absolutely well thought out and beautifully done and you cool. you one of the things you did was you used these open landscapes as b-roll throughout the video mm-hmm. it's funny because i live in utah mm-hmm. in, a, in america and mm-hmm. The and the landscapes you were showing in the video are very similar to the landscapes you can find here. One uh, interesting. Thing, one, yeah, one of the things I learned about Utah is that it is very healthy for my mind. These open spaces help open yeah. up your brain a lot. Yeah. But the the quote that you used at the beginning of this one says that for introverts, to be alone with our thoughts is as restorative as sleeping, as nourishing as eating, which is just dead on. Yeah. Beautiful. So... Uh, and also your business advice at the end uh, was actually quite helpful to me. I think that that was cool. something that every introvert should, should watch right. because you are sort of taught to go into a room and try to be the loudest and the most mm. interesting. And I think that we as introverts have a, we have a very special set of tools at our disposal that, that not everyone has. But, uh, mm. I, I'm curious what, what does, what are the struggles of being an introvert for you on any daily mm. basis.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think I struggle with it anymore as, as much as I used to. I think I've kind of, I accept it. I like it. You know, it's, it's, I, I see it as a strength, not a struggle really. It's, and I think that's been a good shift. Um, uh, the 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 obvious thing that that i have to be mindful of like every introvert does is taking that space you know i mean it's that i mean the definition i think i give in the video and i can't remember where i got it from it's not my definition but it was someone saying that you know an extrovert is somebody who's energized and refreshed by being around people and an introvert is someone who's energized by taking space that's the same and, one uh, i
0: use cuz i I'll, I'll go yeah. i'll go up to people and ask them if they're an introvert and yeah. a lot of if they're an introvert they're like yeah if they're not an introvert A lot of times the answer you'll get back is, I don't know what that means. (laughs) And then you'll get, and then you'll get, uh, and then I have to explain to them what an introvert is. Yeah. And so my response is always that it really is, it has a lot less to do with, with your amount of socialness and it has a lot more to do with how you re-energize yourself
1: Well, I mean, I got a lot of comments on that video and, and I sh- I wish I'd addressed it in the video now because it seems to be a common thing is, is I think people confuse introversion with lack of confidence. And it's not the same thing. I don't think of myself as a, as an unconfident person, but so you can be a confident introvert in the same way you can be an insecure extrovert.
0: Absolutely, You know, it's,
1: it's not the same thing. So it's just a different mode of being. So I think like, um, and, and I, I definitely feel this especially like in meetings with people. There's a way, there's a way to be in a meeting. If, you, if you're around a table with 10 people pitching for the same job, the extroverts will will jump in first and talk a lot. Mm. But there's something to be said for, for waiting uh, for your gap and being invited in and being, being one of the last to speak in a measured way where you've taken in everything everyone else is saying, you've actually got an opportunity to say you know, I've heard everything that everyone said, this is, this is my take on it, not unconfidently, because that's a different thing. But in a very considered, very thoughtful way, I've been processing the whole time. And you, you can you can sound like the voice of reason if you if you if you play that card, you know, mm. and, and, and act that way. And that's, that's to me, I think, I think when people go, oh, I really struggle as an introvert, I think they're struggling with lack of confidence and confusing it. Mm. And that, that is something you have to deal with. Absolutely. Because like, like, like we said, Introversion is just a mode of refreshing yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a way you prefer to be, but, but you can build your confidence and stay an introvert. You don't have to fake extroversion to build your confidence, mm. if that makes sense. And you have something as valid to offer. I mean, like we talk about YouTube. I, I know that most YouTube channels are full of extroverts or people faking extroversion mm-hmm. because they think that's what's going to get attention, and, most, and a lot of the time it does. But I, I wanted to model the other side of it. And, and give a, give a, an example of what it could be to be a considered uh, still confident uh, communicator in a, in a way that's different from you know some, I mean, some channels verge on acting like they're presenting a kid's show you know like are you, it's like so full-on and in your face and jumping around that, you know I'm like oh god I'm just exhausted watching so I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to do something for the other side that just says you know, that's fine, and, and it's great. Some people absolutely love that stuff, but some people are looking. I get a lot of comments like, I've been looking for a channel like this because it's almost the antidote to that for that other crowd who don't really connect with that stuff and are looking for the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think there's a there's a shift going on in YouTube where, where people are realizing that that's the case, that there's a hole where people are looking for that other mode of communicating and being and seeing the world that uh, you could speak to and you could... Uh, you could move in that would actually draw draw people in because they don't have options there
0: Mm. well i think and i think i do think it's funny that whenever you find people who are extroverted and they talk about their friends who are introverted Mm. they will often say that they are some of the best friends that you can find because Mm -hmm. uh, these are people who are deeply within themselves and the way that they act comes out of that place Right mm-hmm. and they're not spend, they're they're not interested in maybe maybe pleasing your feelings, they're more interested in the morality of the situation, yeah, and that's incredibly important, and I think that that's how we move society forward in yeah. uh, in our daily affairs and also in um in our art, yeah, uh, is, is people who are spending a lot of time and the, the the thing about introverts is we tend to naturally have this inclination towards thinking about things. Oh, t- mm. too deeply to the point that mm-hmm. we find ourselves being depressed sometimes and we need mm-hmm. we need to go hang out with some some friends who who uh who just want to you know laugh and and yeah have a good time eat food and stuff uh but and and also my wife brings she's an extrovert she I mean, she brings a wonderful dynamic to my growth as yeah. a person because For one, she reminds me, I actually leave the house. I just stay in the house for five days. (laughs) Yeah. Like she's, she, uh, right now she's in Miami visiting some family. Uh And I will probably spend five days not talking to anybody except for the people at the coffee shop. Right. (laughs) You know, right. So, and what will happen is this, there's this sinister thing that, that starts to come about where you, where you are, you forget to leave the house because yep. you don't naturally want to engage with people so much. And this the, the issue that, that starts to build up is you start to feel a lack of the right chemicals in your body to make you happy. Yep. Yep. And it won't connect itself to the solution automatically. You won't quite know why. It's almost like introverts have to, have to schedule. It's like where extroverts, it's like eating. You don't forget to eat. Mm-hmm. For introverts, you have to schedule that social time in to make sure you actually do it, because you'll yeah. end up in a place where you, you 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 know you don't so much. Now that yeah. that that's when introversion becomes unhealthy. There, yeah. but another th- a good thing is that I think many introverts, most introverts, recognize that and put the right friends around them that actually mm-hmm. feed them. Mm-hmm. And I'll you know feed them with the, these d- deep philosophical conversations such as this one, yeah, uh, to make you feel better. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I do this. Is it's it's a bit harder to find deep thoughtful conversations mm. in the world. I found mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of quick surface talk. Yep, and uh, and and so there you know of course there's value to that. That's how you get to the deep talk. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, but. But but we I think that it is important to continue to have these conversations, especially uh, especially I think my generation who has decided to some extent to stop thinking about the way the world, like the way the world works logically (laughs) and factually. And and we you know, we spend a lot of time with our feelings and this sort of thing. Right. So uh, one of the things that I, I thought was incredibly interesting about your video was that your friend um, Simon? Sp- yeah, spoke about how he used landscape photography as a, a means to deal with some chronic fa- uh, pain he was feeling. Yes, that it was it was a ther- that photography was a therapeutic venture mm. for him. I, I found that absolutely fascinating.
1: Mm. He's great, man. He's a he's an incredibly talented uh, woodland photographer. Um, and the the interesting thing about Simon is. Because he has um, he has back pain, um, he can't walk for miles, you know, over mountains and stuff without that becoming an issue. And even long car rides can be painful. So he started doing um, – but he also knew he had to go out and stretch and walk to be able to keep this sort of pain at bay. And so he started to go out in his local area. And, and the majority of the shots he's taken are no more than 20 minutes drive from his house. That's the incredible thing. And, I mean, he's built – a, a beautiful portfolio of images. I mean, he's like one was was just he won an award um, a couple of months ago for for uh, as one of the landscape photography of the year categories. Uh, he he's he's so t- so talented, but sort of just through saying I'm going to go out with with my dog, and he, he kind of went out with his dog into the woodlands and walked around, and then just started taking a camera with him for fun. That's how he got into it, just to to alleviate this pain, but not have to go too far, and started taking these images and realized you know, I might have something here, jumped on YouTube, started posting photos online and the rest of the world. And yeah, dude, you really have something here. You're amazing at what you do. And, um, yeah. And he's now uh, walking around with that, with that dude is amazing. Like he, he, uh, I mean, cause when I walk into a forest, it's just a mess of stuff. You know, it's like, it's trees all over the place and angles and branches. And For- forests it's, are it,
0: hard to shoot.
1: It really hard. Cause yeah. it's just a mess of shapes. And he's just got this, and it's only through hours and hours of walking through forests. That's how he does it. That's how he's got the skill. Just over and over repetition. He's almost he's almost able to see like the trees to him are just like he can just see the matrix of it all. You know, it all kind of it all just slots into place for him. And he'll just stand somewhere and go right. Well, this is the shot I'm going to take. And you kind of look over his shoulder and go, "Holy crap! How did you see that? How did you, you know?" I just walked past all this stuff, and it just shows like a guy like that who went in. For a totally different reason has come out with this amazing skill set and, and and a real art if you go check in simon baxter go have a google of his woodland photography you'll see he's got some stunning stunning uh, imagery yeah fascinating dude it's funny because we did that video together that introvert video and i got hold of it and said i'd love to include you in this because we chat quite often um you know about youtube and photography and the rest of it and i said i'd love to sort of interview in the, you in this video as another introvert in uh, photography and his initial response is am i an introvert i'm like dude <laughs> you're, def- you're definitely an introvert and it was fun to kind of have the conversation and uh you know him kind of owning it and go oh yeah gosh that's exactly why i do this you're right you're, uh, you know some people don't think in those categories but it's, it's a nice kind of way to go oh yeah that's why i do this that's why i love it that's what i get out of this and you know, because a lot of people going and walking around in the woods for two hours a day would bore them you know, yeah, yeah, but for him, he it just he, the way. He, I mean, if you watch that video, the way he talks about walking around the woods, it's it's a spiritual experience for that guy. You know, he 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 feels something being there, and it's refreshing. So it's uh, and he's got a crazy dog, so that's always good. <laughs> this, yeah,
0: I oh, I saw the energy; it was immense.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it's like a, it was like some
0: sort of supernova of, of playfulness. Oh yeah. <laughs> um I, I think the the reason why that's important and that you shared his story is because I think there are a lot of people who are in similar situations, whether uh, physically or emotionally. And, and there, there, there's something wonderfully important about finding something that you can dedicate your time to. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just yours as a therapeutic exercise. Yeah. Uh, that I, 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 I just think of so many people out there who can't quite figure out how to navigate through life in a in a happier way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think that's i don't think that's the core piece but i think that is a piece of the puzzle that that's incredibly important so that's good yeah. uh, the last thing i wanted to ask you yeah because i think now is a good time to wrap this one up cool. even though i could uh, I, there's so many directions we could go this has been a wonderful conversation and th- thank you so much for your time by no, by you're by. welcome
1: thanks for having me
0: I uh, I initially sent a message to you and said, hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? And that's my way (laughs) to get you to talk to me for at least 30 minutes. I would have taken 10. Then
1: then that was 30 minutes. (laughs) And then the
0: first question I asked you when we got on here, you'll remember, is, hey, how much time do you have? (laughs) So I was was trying to see how long, uh, how how we could work together on that. But uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so with your channel, yeah. When someone sees a video of yours, uh, and sees your collection of video, and takes in what you you have to offer, what do you hope they maybe take away from that?
1: Um, it's it's hard not to spit back what I know people have said, uh, but I think, um, I, I want them to take away honesty. I, I want I want them to. I want them to take away a photographer who's willing to be honest about about how difficult it is and and that it's a messy journey. Like, I think that's really important to me that they walk away with that. Um, I I hope that they see effort and me respecting the fact that they take time to watch a video, that I'm not not just throwing something together. I have thought about it, you know, and that's why I only post once or twice a month because I want to make sure it's something worth saying. So I hope they feel that I'm investing in what I'm putting out there as well. And that it's, it's something that I believe is worth my time and their time. Um, I, I hope in terms of like the quality, I hope um, feels more and more and progressively more cinematic as it goes along. Cause that is me trying to grow myself as a filmmaker. So that's uh, I mean, when people have made comments like that, that's, that makes, that makes me kind of very gratified. Um, and I, I hope people, I hope in sharing my journey as honestly as I can, people just walk away encouraged. And, and that is comments I get a lot. is just that, that you know, like I said earlier, the kind of safety in numbers thing, that they're not crazy for thinking what they think or struggling the way that they're struggling and that some kind of weight comes off their shoulders because they watched and go, me too, and now it's okay to carry on and not feel like a failure. Like that, that would feel great if people had that response to it and, and, and felt that way when engaging with it. That'd be brilliant, yeah.
0: I think um for for me what I've tried to do is I want to actually be able to say I've influenced someone's life path. I yeah. think that's an important question to ask yourself. How yeah. can you influence somebody else's uh life? And we do this in small ways every day yeah. whether intentionally or unintentionally, but I do think that to to maximize that you have to really think about what you have to think about what you are you have to think about what you're actually doing or else Uh you'll just sort of meander. Uh And, um, so I, I think that, but I think that, that your videos definitely push people in that direction. And, and I think that, you know, a tangible example is is your business advice at the end of the, the making it as an introvert video uh, Uh made me think a little bit differently about Uh walking into a room and trying to, connect with other people that I could collaborate with cool. Yeah. And so, and so who knows what that'll mean in the future? You know,
1: yeah.
0: it's not, it's not that I didn't, that I'd never thought about what you've, what you've said, but it's, this. Yeah. it's the way that you articulated it that, right. that makes me go, that makes me connect some, some things, some neurons together. Right. Cool. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's good stuff. Okay. Very good. Uh, uh, that is it for this one. I, I will link below to your channel, Sean, Um, Please feel free to check him out. His videos are wonderful. And uh, I hope you guys have a lovely day. Please feel free to share your thoughts. And goodbye.